The following podcast is a time dilation edition. This extended interview will last for about 17 minutes. Hi, I'm Chip, and in this Two Minute Time Lord podcast, I'm talking to Tony Lee, author of the upcoming Doctor Who comic book series from IDW Publishing. Hi, Tony. Hi there, Chip. Um, <clears throat> if I keep sniffing, I apologize. I'm suffering from a very bad bout of hay fever today, so um, <clears throat> I, do, I do apologize. Your sacrifice is noted and appreciated. <laughs> so, Tony, uh, for those who may not follow the comic book world, tell me a little bit about this uh, series that's uh, starting up. Um, well, basically, IDW had the rights to Doctor Who for a while now. Um, they started an ongoing a couple of years ago with Gary Russell, but because of art problems and printing issues, it got uh, stopped after six issues. They've now decided to do it again, and we're holding it as effectively lost episodes uh, in the year of the specials. So in those big gaps between the specials, we can run entire seasons effectively, and that's what we're looking to do. Fantastic. Uh, is there any particular uh, point in time in between the specials as far as continuity concerns? My personal place for this is actually right before the final two-parter, because uh, we have an 18-issue arc, which um, obviously leads up to the appearance of the 11th Doctor, God willing. Uh, and my my feeling for it is effectively he leaves on issue 17, goes off and has his final two episodes, and then comes back as the 11th Doctor. So that's my thoughts, but you can effectively put it wherever you want. I, I think it's really interesting that you're uh, that you and IDW and the BBC have all decided that uh, even though we're going to be uh, into the eleventh Doctor's reign, that we're still going to be getting tenth Doctor stories. Could you uh, explain a little bit about that? Um, well, the biggest reason is because until the eleventh Doctor turns up, we don't know how to write him. Um, there's talk that there's going to be a, uh, a meeting at the BBC sometime in the next couple of months where the book writers and the audio writers and the comic writers, etc., all get to meet Matt Smith. And he sits down and tells you a bit about how he's going to look to do it. But if that doesn't happen, the first time I see how the 11th Doctor acts will be effectively the first 11th Doctor episode, which isn't until March next year. Because of that, I'm going to need a lead, a lead time to effectively uh, learn how to do this. Um, when I, I, mean, I did the first 10th Doctor story I ever did for Doctor Who magazine was done based on purely the Christmas invasion and it, he was a lot different there to how he was in the series so we need to have at least two or three episodes before we can even start looking at how to do his sort of style of uh, stories because of this we decided that we needed to make a long period of time for the 10th Doctor before we actually hit the 11th Doctor stories and we looked at an 18-issue arc and realized a year and a half is quite a nice you know, length of time. It's three trades and then can lead straight into the 11th Doctor. So uh, the, the 11th Doctor turns up on TV in March 2010, and then he hopefully uh, turns up in comics in December 2010. Very nice. Uh, <clears throat> you, uh, This is not your first uh, Doctor Who work for IDW. You've done The Forgotten and The Time Machination, and I've... Uh, one of the things I love about The Forgotten was it's a great primer for uh, new fans to understanding the history of the show. Um, I can't think of <laughs> I can't think of any other product that you'd want to set in a new fan's hands to say uh, this is who the other doctors are. Um, but that didn't give you a whole lot of uh, space to get 
in depth into the Tenth Doctor's uh, character. What? No, um, basically, um, the biggest problem with the, with the Forgotten was it was my only shot. And when I wrote it, I thought I was only going to get one six-parter. I had to do the best thing I could, and I wanted to do something that old and new fans and like could enjoy. And I've had my critiques. I mean, I've had people say it's the best thing to give to a new fan. I've had people turn around and say it's you know it's utter fan. Um, fan fiction and things like that because of the fact that it goes back to so many old stories <clears throat> but the biggest problem you had with it is because you had to spend eight or so issues per sorry eight or so pages an issue uh, working on previous doctors you didn't have the time to play with the fifth doctor he effectively became a bookend so with the time machination i got to play with him a little more and in the ongoing season there are going to be moments where the Doctor really does get challenged. I mean, it's not just going to be every issue he runs from a bad guy, saves the day, you know, comes back home in time for TM medals. He really is going to be put through the ringer over the next 17 issues. So what are you discovering about the Doctor's character as you're writing him? <laughs> he doesn't like to be written. He likes to go his own way. Um, I did a 6,000-word pitch when I first wrote the um, the idea for the 18 issues. And in, in which I pitched all the stories and how I saw them doing it. But as I write it the, doc, it, the doctor has a particular way of doing things. And you learn this as you're writing them. And you'll have a particular way that you want to, 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 to find a solution for a problem. And then while writing it, the doctor literally, you'll realize as you're writing it, that actually he would do it this way. And once you go down that route, it then changes the entire story, which is always fun. But uh but yes, it's um, it, it's interesting. You you realise just how passionate he is about what he does. I mean, in the third issue, which has just been solicited, he's on trial, and he actually has to do a very passionate defence about why he does what he does. And um, it's one of those moments where you read it and you go, yeah, that that's exactly what I would do if I was doing that. So it, it's fun. You you do learn a lot more than just he's a funny bloke who runs around in a funny suit. One of the things, one of the um raps that the classic series gets uh especially when compared to the new series uh is you do get a lot more into the doctor's head in the new series uh, the style of writing that uh russell t davies is champion um personality wise what's the doctor like um in your series is he um the in in the special so far there's been this sort of undertone of damage but not so much that it gets in the way of a romp like planet of the dead um oh he's he's definitely damaged um as i said i'm trying to keep it sort of at the same time so there was a darkness to him um he knows effectively the things are about to wrap up he knows his song is about to end um but at the same time, he's always got that playful attitude to him. He can't take it seriously, even though he tries to. Um, and that said, I'm not saying he's Bozo the Clown, he's, but he's got that kind of um, openness that he has in the TV show uh, quite a lot. I mean, in the first episode, Silver Scream, he meets new characters, and uh, not one of them has been in the show before. Uh, yet by the end of it, he's made firm friends with most of them. Yeah, and he's walking around changing his name randomly. He's um, at one point he's telling people he's Tom Cruise, then he's Michael Caine, then he's Tom Hanks because he can do this because he's playing around with people who don't have a clue what they are. Um, and the Doctor's dialogue is always fun and witty and fast talking and and very sort of um, machine gunish in style. So I've I've kept that as much as I can. But at the end of the day, we've tried to make it as light as possible because obviously at the end of the day it's a comic. But 
as it goes on, you're going to see there are some very dark things happening. And it's no secret that the final three part before he becomes Matt Smith is called Sacrifice. And there will be a sacrifice. Mm. Um, any uh, continuing uh, characters uh, throughout the 17-issue run of the 10th Doctor? Uh, any um, regular companions? There are no companions um, as such, um, because a companion is somebody who obviously gets on board the TARDIS from day one and carries on to the end, and we don't have that. Uh, there are two characters, Emily Winters and uh, Matthew Finnegan, who are two people from the Hollywood era, who helped the Doctor in the first two issues and then come on board by the end of issue six, uh, because issues three to six is a totally separate story where he's taken away, and he has companions of a sort there, but um, they're not the standard ones you'd expect. One's a draconian, one's an ogron, and one's a Santaran, for example. Um, <laughs> but from issue seven to 17, uh, Emily and Matthew will be traveling with the Doctor. Um, and it was a conscious decision to make. We realized that if we had Martha or Rose or Donna, uh, everybody knows how their story ends. Everybody knows that Donna becomes a half-time Lord, then loses all her memories and effectively doesn't remember who the Doctor is. So if I have a story where Donna's around, no one's going to feel any um, concern for her well-being because you, you all know that she gets better at the end because, well, she's in that episode where this happens. So we wanted to have two characters who could travel with the Doctor who effectively could die if need be. You know, they could run off, they could get married, they could turn against the Doctor, they could die, they could do anything. Their future isn't set. And, and so he's, he's got a couple of people who travels, but there are a couple of other characters from the first six episodes who do turn up quite regularly throughout the story. There's one character that's um, a, a major nemesis, shall we say, and it's not who people think. Intriguing. What do you, you've got, you've had your hands in a lot of stuff. You write all, uh, you write a lot of stuff that's creator owned. What is it that you love about writing Doctor Who? Uh, I am a massive Doctor Who fan. Um, I've, my, one of my first ever memories is sitting with my family watching uh, Planet of the Spiders, which was the final John Pertry story. So, you know, I've got, the, it goes all the way back to there. Um, when I was a kid, I, I would go to Doctor Who conventions in the UK. Um, I had all the Doctor Who old episodes on video when I was younger. Um, and the first time I ever wrote the word Time Lord, I actually had to stop and pause and, and bounce around the room a bit. I loved <laughs> Doctor Who. And... I, apparently it does come out in my writing that I obviously do have a fanish love for it. And it's just great. I mean, I love writing creator-owned stuff because I get to tell stories that I really want to do. Uh, I love adapting books into graphic novels, which I do a lot of, um, because, again, I get to show my side to it. But with The Doctor, I don't care if I have a voice in that. I want to just want to make sure that the fan or the reader of the book sees a Doctor Who story that is consistent with the Doctor Who stories. And I just love writing Tennant. I must admit, I just love writing the stories for him. So, uh, tease us a little bit or spoil us a little bit. Uh, what else can you tell us about what's coming up in this new series? Um, well, firstly, the, um, the new episode, uh, by the time this podcast comes out, um, is about to hit the stand, which is Silver Scream, which is the Doctor in 1920s Hollywood. Uh, meeting up with the world-famous silent movie star Archibald Maplin. Yes, I know that all the solicitations said Charlie Chaplin, but unfortunately, due to licensing laws, we weren't allowed to use Charlie at the last moment. <laughs> so, um, suffice to say, we're not using Charlie Chaplin. We're using our own specially created silent movie star who um, 
kind of looks a little bit like him, but has a handlebar moustache and a top hat. But suffice to say, um, most readers will get the fact that, um, obviously. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he, um, the doctor's turned up at Hollywood because, uh, partly because Bonner had said she wanted to go there once, and also because there's a static po- uh, point in space and time there. And the doctor just loves static points in space and time. And he finds that there are a couple of aliens, uh, Terranites, who are screwing around with Hollywood, and he doesn't like this, and so he decides to stop them, uh, with the help of, obviously, various silent movie stars, uh, and also this young aspiring actress called Emily Winter, and uh, a runner, a 16-year-old runner called um, Matthew Finnegan, who both help him. And that's a two-parter. One of the things, we, one of the conscious things we did decide to do with the series is we wanted to go back to cliffhangers, because one shots are fun, and the series does a lot of one-issue stories, but a lot of people always talk about the big cliffhanger episodes because in the olden days, obviously, there was like three cliffhangers per story. And we wanted to go back to that. So each, each episode we've got in this um, run is a minimum of two episodes. We have a two episode, then a four episode, then several twos, and then end with a three. So we do get those cliffhangers. But then once um, the Doctor basically saves the day in Hollywood, uh, he's then going to be pulled away by the um, the Shadow Proclamation and the Jadoon to stand trial, um, at which point uh, he's then in a four-part story called Fugitive. So you can kind of get the idea of how that goes, where he's running from the Shadow Proclamation, who for some reason have allied with Mr. Finch and the Quillotane Empire. And obviously, as I said earlier on, his traveling companions are uh, a Draconian, a Jadoon, sorry, a Draconian, an Ogron, and a Sontaran, which are three hereditary enemies from his third incarnation um following that we go back to a lot of uh, two-parters uh, we have stories i won't say much about them but we do have stories that involve uh unit in modern day greenwich um people in the future being drowned with no water uh, a lovecraftian story set in oxford and a final one as i said on another planet that's called sacrifice which leads hopefully into an 11th doctor appearance so we've got a lot happening um People will change. Um, people will be betrayed. People will turn to the dark side. Uh, people will find redemption. Uh, there will be people who turn up um, and change the day. Uh, it will be a very interesting story. Oh, and we've also got another story that's set purely in the TARDIS for two episodes. So we should actually get a chance to um, show some of these rooms that haven't been seen for quite a while or only have been mentioned in books. I can think of several fans who are going to be very happy about that. <laughs> Uh, last question for you. Um, given all the other work that you do, uh, have you got some other stuff that you'd like people who like your Doctor Who work to be aware of? Uh, absolutely. Um, I've just released a graphic novel called Outlaw, The Legend of Robin Hood, which in England is out uh, with Walker Books and in America comes out in September with uh, Candlewick Books. Uh, Diamond had it down as one of the top graphic novels for teenagers and tweens. And obviously, um, it's it's quite good. In November, I've got a graphic novel coming out called um, From the Pages of Bram Stoker's Dracula, Harker, which is effectively uh, the characters of Dracula six months on and involves uh, the last remaining bride of Dracula returning to gain her revenge and bring back her husband. And actually has uh, an introduction by De Stoker, who's the great grand nephew of Bram Stoker. So effectively, it's one of the first graphic novels to ever have any kind of endorsement from the Stoker family. Um, and at San Diego, I've got an announcement about another adaptation I'm doing for 
uh, a quite a well-known book and soon to be movie that comes that the book will be coming out in March but unfortunately I can't mention it right now so uh, it, that, that's about it really <laughs> we'll be on the edge of our seats for the announcement from San Diego Comic Con and no uh, Tony Lee thank you so much for taking the time uh, good luck Doctor Who the new ongoing series from IDW Publishing uh, is released its first issue comes out in the States on July 15th thanks a lot for having me along that's great thank you